0: we're going to um, uh, roll with a couple of pop-ups this evening, um, which will be the first one will be uh, Chief Deputy uh, Benda is going to talk to you, just about night item what's on your budget, I mean on your budget, on your agenda tonight about taxi cabs. I think you all are very familiar with what we're doing, mm-hmm. I think it's good for folks to understand what we're doing. And then I'm going to ask Doug Beaver, Captain Beaver, to come up and talk to you about a fun announcement, uh, not fun, but a really important a couple of announcements that got made last week that I gave you a, a little email on. Um, but I think it's, it's important for the community to understand that uh, NATO is looking at expanding a command here, and the second fleet is looking to stand up, and that's, a, uh, that's really a, uh, an important for us. Uh, we'll have the fourth of your six budget work sessions, and then um, Deputy City Attorney Adam Melita is going to give you a proposal on short-term rentals that, that uh, got uh, knocked off the agenda a few weeks back. And then if time permits, uh, June uh, Whitehurst Environmental Program Manager is going to come up and give you, we talk a lot about stormwater quantity but you uh, know not enough something about quality and uh, we're really doing some interesting things and want you to uh, have a chance to hear what those are so with that said I asked winter to YOU okay,
1: what we're doing taxicabs good evening mayor members of city council again style is uh, agenda item this evening on your formal do r one is, R1, is um, some amendments to your taxi co- uh, taxicab ordinance um, simply <coughs> are these three um, moving from five to six passengers then uh, with an electronic manifest and then the color scheme great news about these, th- this ordinance has been touched by your police chief, your auditor, um, your deputy city manager of public safety, and our legal department. So it has been reviewed. And so um, these are just refreshes to the ordinance. Um, here's the picture of the vehicle itself. I'm sure that Miss Winston's probably been in touch with each one of you. So it should be, um, if there are no questions, that'll be on this evening's doc. Now they already have
0: those that, that vehicle on the street, right? I'm, uh, 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 yes. 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 Is it, is it out yes. there? Yes. It, IT'S okay. COMPLIANT, the,
1: THE POLICE CHIEF IS uh, acknowledging. Yes, okay, sir. SO,
0: uh, THEY ALREADY HAVE IT ON THE STREET, mm-hmm. BUT IN THAT uh,
1: ORDINANCE IT SAYS THAT THEY MIGHT BE ALLOWED TO PAINT ALL CABS THE SAME COLOR. I THINK HOW IT READS, AND, I, and IT'S TWO two OF THE SAME COLORS CAN BE USED BY ANOTHER um, COMPANY SO LONG AS IT'S APPROVED BY A POLICE CHIEF. I THINK mm-hmm. the, THE OPPORTUNITY IS TO AVOID SOMEBODY REPLICATING SOMETHING TO LOOK LIKE THIS VEHICLE and it not be a part of this larger organization. So they're trying to, the, that one off person that may be doing something not on the up and up or nefarious, that's what they're looking to avoid. So it's anybody that does this has to come through our police chief and have that approved. Do I have that right, Mike? Yeah, yeah. Now, um, you know, the electronic manifest, you know, it's understandable. Yes,
0: sir. But um, it was my understanding um, from somewhere that. They want to paint all of the cabs the same color to compete with Uber and Lyft, and if and if we approve that that way, then I wonder if we liable for anything
2: but antitrust.
3: Um, I, I don't believe so. And one of the wonderful things about antitrust is WELL, we can be liable, mm-hmm. the federal government has always excused us from damages. Mm-hmm. So I, um, that I'm not an antitrust expert, but uh, I do not believe that allowing the uh, traditional cab companies to have the same color. Would be an antitrust uh, violation, and if it were, we wouldn't be liable for damages. Thank you, Mr. Right. Thank
0: you. Thank you. I'm uh, we'll ask uh, Captain Doug Beaver to step up and again talk to you about um, the Department of Defense uh, proposal to host the NATO Joint Force Command for the Atlantic at uh, naval facilities here in Norfolk and um, talk about the uh, second fleet being reestablished. But before he do- does that, I want to show you a quick video. Kim, are we ready to? this on. So the mayor and Miss McClellan and I were at the um, flag raising for the uh, tattoo in, in NATO. And part of why I think this is relevant tonight is um, the relationship that the city and NATO have is really pretty special. And General Denny Mercier uh, made some pretty extensive comments, um, but we've got 25 seconds of those comments to talk about the relationship uh, or the value that NATO puts on Norfolk and Norfolk's assets. And I think it's really powerful to we make
4: that happen? With its vibrant art and culture community, distinguished universities and educational programs, numerous recreational and shopping opportunities, as well as nearby beaches and the warm hospitality of its population, it is easy to see why Norfolk won over the hearts and minds of the entire NATO community
0: and get a much better endorsement than that. So that's a, that's pretty powerful. So, Doug, if you'll fill us in on what's, what's been proposed, um, I
2: appreciate it. Thank you. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, members of City Council, Mr. Smith. Uh, as City Manager mentioned, there were two significant announcements on Friday, one from the Department of Defense and one from the uh, United States Navy. Next couple of slides, uh, put those in context and have some impacts. The first was a Department of Defense announcement that it is officially offered to host the new – Joint Force Command that NATO is establishing, along with another command that will go to Germany. The Joint Force Command has been offered to host here in Norfolk. The location for this will likely be Naval Support Activity Hampton Roads, which is the installation located just off of Hampton and Terminal Boulevards. Uh, This command will serve much like the Atlantic Command did during the Cold War from 1950 to 2002, Uh, when it was at Naval Support Activity Hampton Road serving as the linchpin for security for all maritime forces in the Atlantic uh, area of operations. The NATO heads of state will meet later uh, this summer in July and they will vote for final approval of this offer. And as this will be a new command, uh, we expect there to be a growth in active duty uh, U.S. Navy, NATO, uh, government civilians, and contractors. NATO Allied Command transformation will continue its mission, so this will be a new command and growth of uh, FTE is is likely. Also announced at the Fleet Forces Command Change of Command this past Friday by the Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral John Richardson, was the uh, reestablishment of Second Fleet, which was also established about the same time as NATO, here during the entire Cold War and was disestablished in 2011. Uh, it will exercise the same operational functions that reside within Fleet Forces Command now, but it, is, it will be a new command, and they estimate there will be approximately 85 officers, 164 enlisted, and seven government civilians when this is fully manned later in the year. They expect to be fully operational capable uh, sometime in the summer uh, and fall time frame. It will also be located on Naval Support Activity Hampton Roads in the general complex of NATO Fleet Forces Command and now Second Fleet. That concludes my brief pending your questions.
4: Right, uh, thank
5: you. Uh, hey, Tommy.
2: Oops, sorry. The,
4: you know, we only, I think we only purchased two of those signs. I know one's up on Northampton. Is it three? I think we got three. So, what do we need to do to make sure it's at all of our entranceways in the Norfolk? If this is such a big deal, we didn't, we only picked yeah. certain parts, but but the reality
0: is, they actually donated those three signs. So nothing keeps us from from right, okay. uh, expanding. I mean, can,
4: we have our own sign yeah. making capabilities. Maybe we could look into making sure that it's at all entranceways. I think it's a great idea. It, it is. The reality is, um,
0: it's hard to know we're, we're a NATO host, right? Because if you don't go on the base, I think mean, that's part of what the signs do. It's part, obviously part of what the festival does. But uh, that relationship is going to start to expand and grow. I think anything we can do to highlight it is. All right, Thank you. Um, Mayor, we'll shift into the conversation about the budget. I've put at each of your places, and I sent you this morning uh, a memo. Just to make sure everybody can put your hands on it. I've got extra copies up here. Uh, if anybody can't put their hands on it, but it's, it's from me to, to you all. Um, everybody got this. So, so what this does, and I'm not going. Uh, I'm going to go through it pretty quickly. Um, uh, we were in here last week, uh, Thursday, uh, walking through. Um, the items that uh, folks felt were uh, either missing from the budget or in the budget that uh, didn't need to be there. And um, we've divided that into council directives and then the sources of those revenues. And so you'll remember we had a lot of conversation about outside agencies, put uh, not a little over $900,000 back for the outside agencies. Uh, a lot of conversation about fire and rescue and making that budget whole with the stipend in the two positions. Uh, the NEL program. Uh, um, You all wanted to restore the $154,000 in in, in those positions, um, and so we we did that. And then the arts (coughs) position uh, for the arts coordinator at $72,000 and some change. Uh, The rec centers, uh, Campostella and Merrimack Station, uh, the Grandy Village Rec uh, Center wanted to go back to the the current model and the current funding, Um, officer election pay, so $38,000 to support a pay increase for the uh, officers of election. And
6: I'm sorry. Excuse me, Doug. so what does that equal out to with the thirty-eight thousand dollars in support?
0: Uh, that's the, the the thirty-eight is the, is the total. Mike, is my understanding.
4: The, yeah, it that's is, the yeah. so it's thirty. It
0: thirty-eight dollars for a per. It's thirty-eight thousand right. dollars. It was the increase she was asking
4: for. Okay, and, and okay. Before we vote on that, can you just double check with Stephanie if sure. that that's the right number? Sure. Me, meaning you don't? I think you think it's, think it's different? higher okay. than yeah. what I right. really need.
0: Okay, yeah. we'll check. We'll check on
4: that. Yeah. They don't have. I mean, if we had six or seven elections in a year, then yes, right. probably thirty-eight thousand. But right. I don't. Right. I think it's higher than what. All right, we'll, we'll double check that.
0: Thank you. Um, there was some concern about the uh, the driveway right of fee. We had A conversation about sort of our logic behind the fees. But the uh, feeling that this put us out of whack with, uh, with uh, uh, costs, and so we uh, deleted that. So that was a thirty-two-thousand-dollar item, and then. Um, the resource centers over in Digstown and Oakleaf that we were turning over to the Housing Authority in the budget, we asked them to bring those back in house and uh, do more marketing and try to make those uh, be more robust given the, the service that the, um, the, the usage that they have. Um, and a lot of conversation about uh, SOL remediation training. And I think we've got some interesting stuff in talking to the uh, Parks and Rec folks, the Post folks that we're doing at Campostella that I want to come back and, and explain to you, but we'll put that money uh, back in. Uh, the, AND THIS WAS A MISTAKE, CANDIDLY, but MY MISTAKE, THE, the $25,000 FOR OCEAN VIEW FEST EVENTS WE HAD PUT IN AS ONE-TIME MONEY um, LAST YEAR, AND CLEARLY THAT WAS INTENDED TO BE ONGOING, SO WE'RE, so we're PUTTING THAT BACK. AND THEN A COUPLE OF PLANNING FEES um, uh, THAT YOU ALL WERE CONCERNED ABOUT, FEES FOR EITHER ZONING OR CONDITIONAL REZONING, AND A TEXT AMENDMENT uh, YOU'LL SEE IN HERE, WE REALLY THINK THAT'S PROBABLY LESS THAN 50 TIMES IF THAT HAPPENS IN THE COURSE OF THE YEAR. We we reduced those fees back to where they were, which is an $11,000 addition to the budget. And then we had a conversation at the end about giving uh, money to the uh, Legal Aid Society and and put $1,600 back uh, for them. Mark.
6: I'm sorry, councilman. um, The $1,600, is that enough to provide the support needed um, for the families who um, legal Aid is assisting.
7: I don't know Legal Aid's financial structure intimately. I just know that's what they requested. Okay, I saw that in the request. Okay, right. That's all.
0: I know. Okay. So those those are the monies. Um, if you look at the table below, you'll see um, uh, in terms of the sources uh, we talked about. Um, uh, you all directed us to put a dollar uh, a night uh, on the bed tax to increase the uh, cigarette tax by ten cents. Uh, we have. Um, uh, WE DID AN RFP AND A NEW um, uh, GROUP THAT WILL DO OUR AUDIT, uh, WHICH SAVES US $113,000. Uh, WE'VE GOT A LITTLE MORE INTEREST INCOME THAN WE THOUGHT we WE'RE GOING TO HAVE, SO $50,000 THERE. Our audit. Correct. So we GOT A DIFFERENT FIRM WILL DO THAT uh, GOING FORWARD, AND AS YOU CAN SEE, uh, FOR SIGNIFICANTLY LESS MONEY, um, WHICH IS OBVIOUSLY A POSITIVE. Um, SO WHEN YOU LOOK AT ALL THAT, THE SOURCES AND USES ARE one, ALMOST $1. $1.7 MILLION. Um, YOU ALSO TALKED ABOUT JUST SOME OTHER ITEMS uh, that aren't necessarily budget items and they there at the bottom of the memo that um, well the one is the, the, we agreed on the uh, parking that we would hold off on any changes to fees for the parking system until we could uh, do the consultant study uh, with DNC. Um, you asked that we uh, be um, proactive and put some money toward making the resource centers uh, more robust. And so we uh, a little bit of a random number, but you just said so let's put we put fifteen thousand dollars in there to uh, try and enhance that. AND um, YOU ASKED US TO MAKE SURE THAT ON, on THE NELL PROGRAM, THAT IF WE HAD SOMEBODY that, that, THAT STARTED THE PROGRAM, DIDN'T FINISH THE PROGRAM, um, uh, THEN they, THEY'RE NOT ELIGIBLE TO COME BACK NEXT YEAR. SO MORE OF A POLICY QUESTION. AND THEN WE HAD SOME BROAD CONVERSATION ABOUT um, A VOLUNTEER PROGRAM. I DON'T THINK WE RESOLVED ANYTHING, DIDN'T ASK to, TO INCREASE BUDGET. And I THINK THAT'S PROBABLY A RETREAT KIND OF DISCUSSION, BUT CLEARLY THERE WAS A CONSENSUS AT THE TABLE TO REALLY START TO THINK THROUGH HOW TO Leverage the talents that's out in our community and, and do that in a, in a meaningful way around volunteers. Um, so that is that is what we um, uh, we heard from you all, and what we have uh, are prepared to uh, adjust uh, within the budget. It would it would mean that um, on the the night we vote on the twenty second would include a hearing on increasing the um, the bed tax and the um, cigarette tax. VERNON, am I forgetting anything? Um, um, uh, procedurally, and I think those were the two things. Uh, that we... I, I don't think so. I think you got it all. all
8: right. And
5: we're going
3: to look it up. <coughs> it another day. Uh,
6: yes, I'm going to ask that for that to be on the docket on the 22nd. Okay, Ms. Johnson and Miss Graves. Oh, Mr. Manager, I just wanted to. Um, it goes back to when we had our um, budget hearing at Granby. Okay. And those two senior citizens, the sisters, mm-hmm. um, and some other people, they weren't. QUITE CLEAR ON HOW MUCH MONEY THEY'RE PAYING FOR THE, the TAX INCREASE. LIKE THEY WERE SAYING PER $100 no. right, right. OR THE ASSESSMENT.
9: THAT'S THE WAY IT'S assessed. Yeah. It is ASSESSMENT. Of $100. YEAH.
6: Right. AND SO um, JUST TO MAKE SURE THAT OUR CITIZENS ARE CLEAR um, on
0: what the percentage is per100 so it so it's 10 cents right so one of them
6: is not a percentage although in right. a practical matter it almost works yeah. out that way given our
0: given our rate so yeah I think there was a lot of confusion that yes. evening and, and um, so the increase goes from a dollar fifteen per right. hundred to a dollar twenty
6: five uh, absolutely 100.
9: okay thank right. you GRAVES. All right, so it's okay. I didn't write it down. Um, the raises for city employees, I think it's very important that um, individuals or that our residents and um, know that the raises, we're not voting for a raise for ourselves. That, as far as council members and that, the mayor, know, Mr. Mayor, we are not. Um, Can somebody send that, that, that in and people will think that and right. they'll say, you know, you all are voting for a raise for yourself. And that raise does not affect... Council members, we still make the correct. same twenty-five and twenty-seven so thousand dollars a year. <coughs> and, you know, we're I raised. We're, we're not getting anything. Not voting, same, not, not voting yourself to raise, yes, ma'am. right? So we're not. I think that's important to be clear.
5: Tommy, you say something.
9: Unless you're gonna fight we, for the General Assembly for it. <laughs> are
4: we doing budget discussion? Yes. Go now. Yeah yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Yes, this is your yeah, so time, Mr. ON YOUR MEMO, OR? ANYTHING YOU WANT. OKAY. Yeah. SO, A uh, COUPLE THINGS. Um, ONE, I THINK IT'S ALSO <coughs> IMPORTANT TO NOTE THAT THE TAX INCREASE IS NOT A RESIDENTIAL TAX oh. INCREASE. IT'S A REAL ESTATE TAX INCREASE THAT IMPACTS BUSINESSES AS WELL. It's A REALLY um, GOOD POINT. And, sorry. YEAH. And, AND THAT HAS, UNFORTUNATELY, SOME OF THE EMAILS THAT WE'VE RECEIVED AND I'VE HAD TO HELP CLARIFY WITH PEOPLE, IS THAT YOU'RE PUTTING ALL THIS ON RESIDENTS, AND THAT'S NOT TRUE. It's on everybody. As I told you, I think the mistake I made was uh, only given the – we gave the example. The
0: homeowner is the the sensitive one, obviously, and so we we highlighted that without highlighting the commercial fact.
4: Right, and I've also had to remind people, too, that uh, raising real estate taxes impacts me. I'm a property owner as well. I pay taxes in the city. Uh, My assessment on my house has gone up $42,000 after this new assessment in the last four years, Um, and there's a lot of people out there that have seen – THOSE ASSESSMENTS INCREASE. THERE'S A COUPLE NEIGHBORHOODS WHERE THEY'VE GONE DOWN AND THERE'S A COUPLE PEOPLE THAT HAVE NOT SEEN AS BIG, Um, BUT THE CONCERNS THAT I HEARD, I SPOKE TO A CIVIC LEAGUE RIGHT AFTER THAT MEETING IS EXACTLY THAT. MAYBE IN OCEAN VIEW, THE PROPERTY VALUES HAVE BEEN GOING UP HIGHER BECAUSE OF BEING BY THE WATER. MAYBE THAT'S WHY I'M HEARING MORE OF THE uh, ANTI-TAX INCREASE. BUT IT IS IMPORTANT TO NOTE THAT, um, YOU KNOW, THAT IT IS uh, COMMERCIAL. AND THEN THE DOWNTOWN NORFOLK AREA, WHERE YOU GUYS HAVE A SPECIAL TAX district. I'm assuming that's going up to a dollar um, per hundred dollars, um, so it impacts them even more. Uh, which brings a point. You know, I maybe I'll end up losing this argument at the end, um, but and, and don't judge me, Terry. Uh, Sunday um, woke up and realized we had not gone shopping for food, and I normally like to make breakfast for my family, so they. Out WAS TO GO TO MCDONALD'S, THERE'S ONE close TO OUR HOUSE, SO, yeah. AND I'M IN LINE, AND I HAVE A FREE, I HAVE COUPONS, I'M A, a COUPON GUY, AND I'M LOOKING AT THE um, CAR IN FRONT OF ME IS A NEW YORK LICENSE PLATE, AND THEN THERE'S ME AND THE CAR BEHIND ME, I WAS ABLE TO SEE, WE HAD AN OKLAHOMA LICENSE PLATE, AND I'M LOOKING AT MY RECEIPT WHEN I'M DONE, AND MY uh, TAX ON MY MEAL WAS, IT WAS $20 ALMOST FOR THE TOTAL, AND I PAID $1.27, and then a dollar seventeen, because the tax gets separated in the six and six and a half percent. So if we were to increase that one percent, my one little tax of a dollar twenty-seven would have gone to a dollar forty-six. So I would have paid nineteen cents more. Um, the person who's in front of me, that's New York, and the person behind me from Oklahoma is also paying that additional tax. And the the one percent increase generates so much more revenue than passing this on to our homeowners that I, I would love for us to consider looking at that and it, it goes back to I know that you know a couple council members said well businesses will, uh, restaurants will shut down but go back to what I said that the real estate tax impacts everybody and so a restaurant owner who owns a restaurant is going to see an increase in their taxes real estate wise whether they're leasing or they own it BECAUSE IT'S GOING TO BE PASSED ON AND THEN IT'S GOING TO BE PASSED ON TO THE CONSUMERS ONE WAY OR ANOTHER. SO I I LOOKED UP um, CAPTAIN GROOVY'S um, AND FOR THEM THE INCREASE WILL BE ROUGHLY $500 MORE. I DON'T HAVE THEIR 2018 ASSESSMENTS BECAUSE NORFOLK AIR DOESN'T HAVE THEM YET um, IN THERE. Uh, DEAG DINER WEST uh, WILL BE PAYING $700 MORE uh, IN THEIR REAL ESTATE TAXES. BUT THE MCDONALD'S THAT I ATE AT? Um, they'll be paying a thousand dollars more but the average McDonald's generates 2 point6 million dollars a year in sales that's the from their corporate number so if we did the one percent on them uh, you know we would we would get twenty six thousand dollars out of that in tax revenue and hopefully my math is right uh, twenty six thousand dollars out of that as opposed to just 1, a thousand on a 10 cent real estate tax increase so I, I I'm saying this because I think everybody should have to pay, and I, I think user taxes. Uh, you know, it's it was my choice to go eat at McDonald's on Sunday. I could have gone to the grocery store, bought eggs, could have bought pancake mix, and could have made breakfast for a little bit cheaper, um, and only paid a two and a half percent tax, food tax, at the grocery store. But it was my choice to do that, and just like it was my choice to eat at Dirty Buffalo a week before that, just with my wife and I, and we spent fifty five dollars. So roughly that would have cost about 55 cents more with a 1% tax increase. I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have noticed it. I wouldn't have seen it. Um and most of these types of taxes people don't see them because they're when I was at McDonald's I wasn't thinking about the tax. I was thinking about getting a quick bite to eat for my family. Um, and not realizing it and also looking at the Oklahoma and New York license plate, they don't probably live in Norfolk, but they probably don't own property or they're renting and so right I, well it could be a rental car too but there's it's just an opportunity that generates some other revenue for the city and not come out with this massive 10 cent tax increases which is the way that i look at it um and putting us now way ahead of other localities um, right behind portsmouth as one of the highest real estate tax um in hampton roads and I, i'm worried about the, the loss of growth because we're throwing this on whether it's commercial or business we have all these other fees we have new zoning we have all these new things just slow it down and let's try to you know look at revenue in other places and i think there's an opportunity there it's not going to put us too far ahead of virginia beach with the um, restaurant tax uh, but i don't think people are going to choose to now drive out to uh virginia beach because it's 50 cents less to eat there uh than it would be a, on a restaurant in norfolk and i know we've heard from to restaurant owners on there, but I also don't think they understand that they're going to end up paying real estate taxes um, in the end, and they're going to have to pass that on to the consumers uh, in one way or another. And so why not get more money out of the consumers by doing the other tax? And also the wait staff will make more money because when people tip, they tip off of the total usually, so they'll make a little bit more off of that. Anyway. If anybody wants to look at my receipt to verify that I ate at McDonald's <laughs> on Sunday, um, sure does. you can. Thank
5: you, thank you. All right, Ms. McCullough.
8: Tommy, I also am a McDonald's driver person, so share that don't tell anybody. Um, you know, I, it's an interesting debate. I, I'm very concerned about increasing our, our meals tax um, for uh, the local restaurants that are already burdened by our parking situation, um, already have a lot of heartburn, because THEY FEEL THAT THE CITY OF NORFOLK HAS SUPPORTED WATERSIDE AND THE RESTAURANTS OF THE main um, WITHOUT SUPPORTING THEM. AND THIS IS A TAX THAT THEY ARE VERY uncomfortable WITH, AND I APPRECIATE THAT AND SUPPORT THEM. AND I, I UNDERSTAND THAT WE CAN PARSE OUT WHO'S SPENDING WHAT WHERE. I MEAN, BY THE SAME TOKEN, IF THE AVERAGE HOME IS $200,000 IN NORFOLK, um, SO IT'S AN AVERAGE THAT'S A TOTAL OF $200 ADDITIONAL uh, PER HOME, THAT'S 55 cents a day for that homeowner I mean that's the same tax that you talked about at McDonald's I, you know I, I just think that um, to me that makes more sense spread out through the whole city um, I, I just think burdening um, our local restaurants which I think people come to Norfolk for those restaurants more than they do go to other cities around here I think is, is a real a real risk and it's not something that I would support
4: so let's get that money from those people coming from Norfolk I mean outside of Norfolk
7: I appreciate you bringing it up, Tommy. And you know, I've discussed your thoughts on this and and my thoughts as well. And I'll somewhat agree with with Andre here. We've got a fragile retail market um, nationwide. Uh, One of the few sectors that I think we're hearing may see any growth whatsoever are restaurants, eateries. And so uh, I'm extremely hesitant to handicap our local restaurateurs in any way at this point in time, considering the, the significant retail. Probably
5: going to be seeing closing in the next few years. So. Okay, Mr. Smeagle. So, what about
4: the real estate tax impacting them? And we can't separate them, but they're going to see a real estate tax increase, the, the and they rest- have to pass that. They're going to, especially in downtown Norfolk, because they're going to get a dollar thirty-five now.
8: Sure, the restaurant owners that I've, with whom I've spoken, are much prefer that versus.
9: Not to mention, every restaurant owner doesn't own the building that they're say, operating the from. So if they're renting, then they're not paying the tax anyway. <coughs> you know, Don't if, pay it. <laughs> if subsequently, well, when you're commercial and you're renting, you're responsible for everything in the building anyway. I mean, you're basically just paying rent for the four walls. AND EVERYTHING ELSE IN THERE IS YOUR RESPONSIBILITY AS THE as the TENANT in a, ON A COMMERCIAL SIDE. SO THEY DON'T OWN THE PROPERTY. THEY'RE NOT THE ONE, IF THE RENT GOES UP, THAT'S ONE THING, BUT USUALLY THEY HAVE VERY LONG-TERM LEASES. OKAY.
5: MR. Riddick, DID YOU HAVE ANYTHING, SIR?
10: OKAY. Quickly. I HAVE JUST A REALLY SMALL THING, AND I'M SORRY I DIDN'T BRING THIS UP LAST YEAR, LAST WEEK. Um, I COULD NOT FIGURE IT OUT, I'M SORRY. WHAT WE PAID LAST YEAR um, AS BEING A MEMBER OF THE HAMPTON ROADS ECONOMIC ALLIANCE?
0: <coughs> IT IS ORDER OF MAGNITUDE 90 OR 95 CENTS uh, PER CAPITA. So, um, BECAUSE I don't know WE
10: at all. HAD A DISCUSSION ABOUT THIS SEVERAL YEARS AGO THAT WE FELT THAT WE REALLY WERE NOT SEEING THE RETURN ON it. AND THIS WAS A PRETTY CONSIDERABLE uh, EXPENSE. AND I JUST WONDERED IF THERE HAD BEEN some discussion on whether this is um, something we're benefiting from and whether we want it to continue because I know in the past we had greatly reduced our contribution to this.
0: So um, a lot happened in call it the last three years. I think there was a lot of frustration with um, the, the particularly Virginia Beach and Norfolk sort of led the way but all of the localities were feeling like the public sector was really carrying the freight. And so there was a, uh, a request to, to reinvent, if you will, the economic development lines. And that process started. And uh, where they are at this point is um, they've just finished a study by IBM to come in and help them understand what are the, the um, uh, target industries that we should be approaching as a region. And, and that study is going to be used as the basis for a pretty significant capital campaign to try and re- rebalance. Uh, the private sector investment with the public sector, not not a request to increase the the, the public, but to increase the, the private. So I, I'm pretty involved in those conversations. They've asked me about two months ago to be the public sector representative on the executive committee. So um, uh, I'm feeling better about where we are. I think this this capital campaign and whether or not they're able to raise this money is going to say everything about um, our ability, what um, or our or their, their sustainability. Um, the reality is. Um, if you're going to be in the game of economic development, you need a regional organization. You know, the state will tell you that if they're going if to, if they are not going to deal with 17 different groups, that when a group comes into the state, they're going to want to be able to go to the, the regional organization and say, what have, what have you got? Um, a lot of what we're learning is we're not in the game we uh, we don't even make the short list as they start to do their research. So a lot of what we're trying to do is really reposition uh, Hampton Roads as a region. So I am um, cautiously optimistic about the, the new program, but I'll commit to you all that we will look really closely at that. And frankly, when we were in Virginia Beach, when I was in Virginia Beach, I recommended that, that we stop funding it. So it, uh, if it uh, uh, comes to that here, I'd make that same recommendation. But right now, I've, I've got real positive feelings about the direction they're heading in.
6: So, okay, Ms. Johnson. So, uh, Mr. Manager, prior to you being um, requested to be on the executive board, um, was there anybody from the city attending meetings? Yeah,
0: so, so um, the the economic development directors are all, all sit on the uh, the marketing committee. So, yes. Yeah, so we had we had a lot of engagement um, um, with the with the organization. And, then not, and we're, we're fortunate in that they're located here in Norfolk. So we got a little bit of a home home field advantage. Is the, most of the cost in in the marketing? I
10: mean, two hundred thousand
0: plus that we spend. Is that, I mean, how big is the staff? Yeah, so it is. Uh, I, and I can get you a full. It, it's fairly tight. It's fairly small. So it's a lot of it's a lot of marketing. It's a lot of research, and then it's a, a fair bit of travel. It's, it's outreach, and so they they're able to do outreach in a way that we could never afford to do on our own. Right. We, so, And when I say we, I mean Norfolk, Portsmouth, Chesapeake, Virginia Beach, all of us. Um, none of us can cobble together the kind of um, of outreach that a regional group can do much more efficiently.
10: Well, I, on paper, it absolutely sounds great, and I'm pleased that you're there. But I hope that you all will be monitoring to see what your return has been.
4: Okay, Mr. Spiegel. Um, I had sent you some questions about um, debt that we're taking on. AS PART OF THIS, AND I'M HOPEFUL THAT YOU CAN DISCUSS THAT A LITTLE BIT FURTHER. Um, YOU KNOW, I DON'T WANT TO APOLOGIZE FOR SOUNDING LIKE THE MOST CONSERVATIVE MEMBER OF THIS COUNCIL, um, BUT I I HAVE CONCERNS ABOUT US REPEATING HISTORY WITH THIS COUNCIL AND RAISING TAXES TO ACTUALLY BORROW MORE MONEY uh, TO PAY AND USE IT TO PAY OFF DEBT. Um, AND THEN WE'RE GOING TO EAT THIS IN 20 YEARS um, WITH KENNY'S STILL THE MAYOR. and you're going to have a new council that you'll have to deal with, you know, on that. But, I mean, it just, it's like a vicious cycle of this council uh, of raising taxes, and then maybe we end up having to drop it, you know, again. But there's $13.1 million in debt uh, that's coming out of the actual tax increase. So um, the tax increase is paying for vehicles and other things that we cannot afford 100%, so we've got to bond out some debt. Right. Am I, is You're right. So
0: I didn't. I didn't bring your questions, although I did send them to, to right. all of you. So you, you all have it. I think it, it is. Um, um, what we're trying to do with this budget and with the uh, investments that we're asking you all to make is line them up with the priorities that you and, frankly, the community have identified. And so, uh, from uh, resilience and public safety and uh, reduction in poverty, I, I, I believe we're doing that. Um, I think what you heard me say last week is the investments in, um, in people and um, uh, in equipment and vehicles and those sorts of things, that's the, that's the foundation upon which you do your work. And so I don't know that you can do, um, I don't think we have um, uh, asked you to fund anything that is um, a nice to have, you know. I think we, we've asked you to fund the things that are necessary to have.
5: So Doug, one of the things I think that we, we need to be clear on is over the past Eight nine years, we've borrowed a lot of money. We've borrowed maybe uh, north of a hundred million dollars a year over the past decade. That debt is coming due. In FY18, I think the debt payment was about 65 million dollars. Mm-hmm. FY20, it'll be 80 million dollars. FY22, it'll be 85 million dollars. And this is on money that we have already borrowed. The, the, the bill is due, and. Um, WE JUST DON'T HAVE uh, THE REVENUE to, to, uh, TO EVEN SERVICE THE DEBT. AND uh, SOME OF THOSE PROJECTS ARE 20 YEARS OLD, uh, AND SOME OF THEM ARE, are QUITE NEW. Uh, WE have BUILT SCHOOLS, WE BUILT A COURTHOUSE, uh, WE INVESTED IN THE LIBRARY, um, AND uh, WE HAVE LIGHT RAIL AND AMTRAK, THE MONROE BUILDING FOR THE GOVERNOR'S SCHOOL. We took on a lot of debt over the past 10 years, and the bill's coming due. Ms. Graves?
9: I would like to add to that as it relates to the schools, because I think there has been a general consensus with the public that the tax increase paid for the six schools. And I said it earlier, and I just want to reiterate it again, that that did not pay for the schools. We don't have six new paid in full schools that paid the debt Service on the money we borrowed to build the schools. So I think that's something that also, you know, just to reiterate what you're saying about the debt coming due. Um, you know, that money didn't pay for the buildings. It paid for us. That was the down payment on us borrowing the money
6: to pay for it. Okay. Yes, Miss Johnson. Um, Mr. Manager. Um, since we're talking about a lot of debt. You know how I feel about the, the citizens knowing exactly what we, we do and the decisions that we make. Um, I would say that often that we review to our citizens um, what our priorities are, what our vision and our mission is for this city council. Um, one, to be remindful that it is our goal that while we're dealing with debt, We're looking into the future of um, other council members. That's something that we agreed as a governing body that we would be extremely mindful of um, for future representatives uh, for for council. Um, And I think if we we do that, we we need to uh, do a little more of that with our, our citizens. And I think that they're wanting to know. And I think that we can do a better job 100%. 100%.
0: We've talked, it, you, you say it well often, we need to tell our story better. Yes. And um, I also believe that um, if folks understand what you're doing, um, uh, even if they don't necessarily agree with it, they'll, they'll respect it. And I think that's, uh, we're coming in local government to make sure folks, and I think we've done a pretty good job this fall and spring of really explaining how you all are, how I, I asked you all to, to spend your
5: money. Yes, sir. Mr. McCloud and Mr. Riddick. Okay.
8: There was a good editorial. Uh, is it Gordon Morse? IN THE PAPER THIS WEEKEND TALKING ABOUT um, um, WHERE THE STATE'S fallen DOWN ON EDUCATION FUNDING, AND I KNOW THAT I'VE SPOKEN WITH um, A COUPLE OF SCHOOL BOARD MEMBERS, AND I BELIEVE WE ALL AGREE, BUT I THINK WE NEED TO DO A MUCH BETTER JOB OF LOCKING ARMS WITH THE SCHOOL BOARD AND MAKING IT A PRIORITY AS WE PREPARE FOR THE NEXT GENERAL ASSEMBLY SESSION. Um, WE REALLY NEED TO MAKE SURE THAT THE STATE UNDERSTANDS THAT THEY NEED TO LIVE UP TO THEIR END OF THE BARGAIN MORE, BECAUSE we're, WE'RE MAKING UP THE SLACK. Uh, but we can't do it all our, on our own. So um, I just, I know it's not necessarily for this budget discussion, but for future, as um, we consider funding schools more, we also need the state to step
6: up, too. And Councilwoman McCullen, that was a huge discussion for us last Friday in Virginia First Cities. Um, how can the cities um, and and the state, you know, do their part because... IT'S REALLY SHIFTING, EVERY TIME WE HAVE A DISCUSSION, IT'S SHIFTING MORE TO THE LOCALITIES AS FAR AS um, MEETING THE NEEDS OF THE SCHOOL SYSTEM. AND SO WE GOT TO HAVE SOME TYPE OF RELATIONSHIP BECAUSE THAT WAS A HUGE DISCUSSION at VIRGINIA FIRST CITIES.
5: IF WE LOOK AT THE RATE OF INFLATION um, AND ADD THAT TO WHAT WE HAVE LOST IN SCHOOL FUNDING, uh, IT'S ABOUT $74 MILLION. Since 2009, that's a lot of money, and we've tried as a city uh, to continue to uh, to fund schools and continue to to operate um, with reductions from the state and from the federal government, and just hadn't worked. So, Mr. Riddick and Mr. Smiegel. Uh
0: Doug, how how are we buying gas? Um, a lot of times, I see our vehicles. Are, are we paying the price of the pump, or do we get a discount? Because everybody, I guess, would imagine the the jump in gas, you know. And then, um, then
11: my next question is: uh, With the school buses, we gave the, uh, the district
9: a budget. I mean,
4: you know, um, will they be able to
0: stand the price because diesel is higher than regular gas? That's great point. not talked to uh, Dr. Boone. About the gas situation, we haven't had that. Have not had that conversation. But I THINK Mike can address sort of how we're buying our fuel.
5: Yeah, we do. We enter into uh, contractual agreements ahead of time, and we do get a, a discount on gas for the amount that we buy. So we're not paying the price of the pump. Thank you. All right, this is Grace. Remember, um, Mr.
4: Smeagle And MS. Graves. Remember, Mr. Gas prices were surging. I had asked, and they went back and renegotiated the contract okay. with them because we were paying. SO MUCH MORE, WE NEGOTIATED DURING THE HIGH TIME, right. AND THEN THEY WENT BACK AND FIXED right. IT. Um, I RECEIVED AN ARTICLE FROM SOMEBODY ABOUT THE, uh, from the um, ABOUT THE WINDFALL THAT STATES ARE STORING TO SEE, um, WITH THAT, uh, AND I'M JUST CURIOUS, um, THE FORECAST EXTRA <coughs> MONEY THAT WE WILL RECEIVE IF THE HOUSE BUDGET <coughs> PASSES, AND IT COULD BE, AFTER WE VOTE ON OUR BUDGET, BUT WHAT WOULD YOUR PLANS BE WITH THAT ADDITIONAL REVENUE COMING IN? BECAUSE THE SCHOOL SYSTEM IS EXPECTED TO GET ABOUT 800,000 MORE IF THE HOUSE BUDGET PASSES. AND THEN WHAT ARE WE EXPECTED TO GET EXTRA? YEAH, I
0: THINK WE WOULD COME SIT IN THIS ROOM. WE'RE NOT GOING TO DO ANYTHING THAT um, YOU ALL AREN'T AWARE OF. SO we COME SIT AND HAVE A CONVERSATION WITH YOU ALL AND SAY THE DYNAMICS HAVE CHANGED AND HERE'S, YOU KNOW, OUR RECOMMENDATION OR HAVE SOME CONVERSATION WITH YOU. If WE DON'T HAVE PLANS FOR A WINDFALL. DO
4: YOU KNOW HOW MUCH WE'RE EXPECTING TO GET WITH THE HOUSE
0: BUDGET? Right NOW,
10: for, FOR THE CITY SIDE, WE'RE NOT EXPECTING ANY ADDITIONAL FUNDING OF ANY AMOUNT. THE SCHOOLS COULD GET AS MUCH AS
4: 1.2. 1.2. AND THAT'S THE HOUSE BUDGET. SO THERE'S NO POLICE MONEY OR ANYTHING COMING FROM THE STATE? NO. EXTRA ON THAT?
5: Yep. THERE WAS
10: there was AN INCREASE IN THE GOVERNOR'S INTRODUCED BUDGET, WHICH IS ALREADY REFLECTED IN THE okay. CITY'S
5: BUDGET. So, so EVEN even WITH THE INCREASE COMING FROM THE STATE OR IN SCHOOLS, BUT OVERALL, THE STATE WOULD HAVE TO PUT IN ABOUT A BILLION DOLLARS IN PUBLIC EDUCATION TO GET BACK TO THE PREVIOUS SESSION, YOU KNOW, FUNDING. It, STATEWIDE. STATEWIDE. IT'S JUST NOT GOING TO HAPPEN. BUT I AGREE WITH ANDREA, WE NEED TO START A concerted EFFORT LOBBYING THE STATE FOR ADDITIONAL REVENUE uh, for, FOR SCHOOLS. SO YOU'RE exactly, ABSOLUTELY RIGHT ON that. Well, I'm hoping the the funding formula
0: sort of allows us to put that whole conversation to the side in terms of uh, so we we know what the money looks like for between us, and then we can have these kinds of, y'all can have these kinds of conversations. So the
5: funding formula, I don't know if that's done um, with with NPS. Well, our recommendation is done.
0: In other words, that what you're doing this year with this budget is setting your baseline, and then we've got the formula. Remember the uh, the, the buckets of money. Uh, that WE'RE RECOMMENDING, AND YOU REMEMBER WE, we GAVE YOU uh, estimates FIVE YEARS OUT OF, uh, GREG, I'LL GET MY NUMBERS WRONG, BUT IT'S ORDER OF MAGNITUDE, 2% INCREASES, 2.11 YEAR, 1.8, that, AS YOU LOOK FORWARD, BUT uh, WE'D LOOK TO THEIR
5: BUDGET, JUST LIKE YOURS, TO INCREASE. SO Mr. SOMIGO TO MS. GRAVES. All okay. right, MS. GRAVES.
9: Um, TWO THINGS, um, WITH REGARD TO STATE CUTS, um, ON A FEDERAL LEVEL, TRADITIONALLY OR HISTORICALLY, IF A BUDGET LINE ITEM HAS GONE TO ZERO, IT'S JUST NEVER COME BACK. Mm -hmm. So I'm not very optimistic, hopeful, but not very optimistic that we'll get state funding back or that we'll get, you know, some kind of increase. So I think what we need to be mindful of going forward is looking at, you know, um, our schools getting less money and figuring out how, because, I mean, even if the state doesn't pay, they're still our kids, and we're still going to have to figure out how to take care of them and how to fund the schools, and, you know, that's still going to be a burden that we're, Um, going to um, have to to overcome. So I would say hope for the best, but prepare for um, the worst, because it just doesn't appear that there's enough people in Richmond that care about public education to put their money where their mouths are.
0: Okay. All right. SO, MAYOR, WITH with THAT, I WOULD, uh, MY RECOMMENDATION TO YOU ON THE BUDGET, YOU'VE GOT YOUR um, REASSESSMENT HEARING uh, THURSDAY NIGHT AT 6 O'CLOCK. Uh, WE HAD SCHEDULED A WORK SESSION TO FRANKLY WRAP ALL THIS UP. I DON'T FEEL A NEED TO DO THAT, SO MY RECOMMENDATION TO YOU WOULD BE uh, TO CANCEL uh, THAT 4.30 MEETING OR 4, 4 O'CLOCK, AND uh, JUST MEET HERE, or MEET UPSTAIRS AT 6 O'CLOCK ON THURSDAY. Right,
4: MR. Spiegel. OKAY. SO, WHY NOT JUST DO, OH, BECAUSE WE ALREADY ADVERTISED yeah, IT AT yeah, 6, yeah. NOBODY SHOWS UP TO IT. Issue. We will. No, I mean we, Yeah. Listen, if nobody comes, then you you gavel
0: in. If people
4: it. understand, it's not coming down to talk about tax increase.
0: It's, it is. It is a uh, budget hearing on the reassessments. Sure. Right? right. Right.
5: Okay. All right, Ms. Johnson, you had something. No, I'm good, sir. Thank you.
0: So with that, we'll have the uh, we'll have the hearing on Thursday, and we'll uh, see how that plays out, and then we'll talk about what happens uh, going forward. So I'm going um, yeah, to close that did and ask. Going I'm sorry. Forward then,
10: we have another meeting?
0: So you've got one scheduled for the 15th. So I would say, which would be our re- frankly to do essentially what we just did, which is your reconciliation evening. Um, I think uh, I think you want to hear what folks say Thursday night. Uh, assuming that things stay on a similar course, then my recommendation at that point would be to allow us to craft the la- the reconciliation letter to you. And get that out to you, and then we decide whether you need that meeting on the fifteenth or not. That was a, a uh, not a scheduled meeting, but one we added. And, and I would say to you, probably you may not need it, but we'll make that. I'd make that recommendation after Thursday night. Okay. Okay. All right. So we had a lot of conversation uh, months ago about uh, short-term rentals and Airbnb and all those sorts of things. And uh, Deputy City Attorney Adam Melita was going to stand before you all, and we ran out of time. And so uh, we've asked him to come back. And I, I got to tell you, I think. Um, uh, your team has done some really good work, and Adam in particular about that. I think you will appreciate what he's going to share with you.
11: Thank you, Mr. Mayor and members of council. Um, what we uh, will do this evening is um, give you a quick recap of um, kind of how uh, the short-term rental issue um, has gotten to the point it's at now, um, and then provide you um, our recommendation uh, for what would work in Norfolk. Uh, with some explanation as to how we got to that recommendation um, and then look for some guidance from you as to whether we're gonna proceed to implementation um, with this particular uh, regulatory uh, framework. So uh, to recap the history, um, in uh, in late 2016, um, Airbnb's lobby group kind of put a push on nationwide to try to um, get legislation passed in a lot of states to essentially guarantee that they could operate without uh, having to deal with sort of the various types of local restrictions that could pop up uh, on, a, on a city and, and county level. Um, that bill um, got through the General Assembly, um, but kind of at the last minute um, picked up a little bit of opposition, and uh, the uh, General Assembly made a decision to... Um, uh, not implement that legislation unless it passed exactly the same next year. So we came to you in June of 2016 and gave you uh, an update on what was going on. Um, we have had we had then and still have a prohibition generally against short term rentals, um, but we did want to uh, be engaged with our legislative liaisons and, and other localities to keep track of next year's legislation and see if we couldn't add some features. Um, That would include some good neighbor protections, and those are protections to um, uh, minimize impacts, negative impacts on neighborhoods, um, and to make sure that that visitors that are coming as guests in these these short-term rentals uh, have a good experience. Um, I think the General Assembly even did a a work group, a a study group during that time, um, but by the time it came back during the next session, um, uh, the General Assembly did not adopt the same bill. Um, And so what came out of it was a very um, uh, uh, hyphenated version of a a state rule. Basically, it said that localities could require registration. Um, There were some limits as to um, what you could do with that registration, but you could require it. um, But you could also still exercise all of the regular zoning authorities that you uh, had before. Um, So we came to you in July with that recap. Um, uh, indicated we would be working on something under those parameters that the state gave us, um, and identified for you that there really were two kinds of short-term rentals that we were looking to um, regulate. Uh, The home stays, which is where the host is present while the guest is uh, visiting, uh, and then what we're going to call the vacation home, which is where the guest is getting um, uh, the use of the entire premises. Um, Nobody uh, is there to monitor uh, or um, supervise the stay. Um, So after uh, briefing you on that, uh, City Manager asked the Neighborhood Action Team to work up a recommendation. Um, The Neighborhood Action Team, under the guidance of uh, Deputy uh, City Manager Goldsmith, put together a a subcommittee to work on this. Um, We had help from uh, all the folks you see here on the list, uh, some of whom were outside the city. Um, but a lot of people bringing a lot of perspectives on what they saw as the issues with short-term rentals. Um, uh, there'll be more of an explanation of this in the uh, in the proposal portion of my presentation, but the result of that work was to identify sort of a carrot-and-stick approach that we think um, would work in Norfolk. Um, after uh, starting with the subcommittee work, the mayor announced that he wanted to solicit uh, public input and uh, arranged for uh, two town hall meetings: one at the Pretlow Library in Ocean View, and the one downtown. Um, both were well attended. The Pretlow meeting was very well attended; it was it was a packed house. Um, and at both meetings, we had lots of uh, support from short-term rental supporters. Um, that all of that work got put on hold a little bit because at this point of the year in in uh, in 2017. Uh, everyone in the city was kind of in the throes of adopting the new zoning ordinance. So Planning Commission had done the public hearing, had made a recommendation to you, I think in October or November of 17, um, and so we knew that any new regulations were going to be part of the zoning ordinance. We were going to try to, to uh, regulate these by zoning district, and so uh, we put on hold bringing you a, a comprehensive regulatory approach until we had the framework in place. Um, And so you all included, or what was included for you, um, in the new zoning ordinance was uh, uh, sort of a placeholder of of where we could put in the regulations, um, including definitions for homestay, definitions for vacation home, um, and then this very simple permission that appeared on March 1st that nobody has used yet, um, but it was, again, sort of a placeholder to say we would allow uh, short-term rentals in the residential coastal uh, zoning district um, with a with a conditional use permit permit from council. Now to inform our uh, proposal, um, we did a bit of work and and wanted to give you some background of how we got there. Um, this slide just gives you a little bit of information um, uh, about what we're seeing happening in the marketplace. So the most recent search um, that I did uh, yesterday looking at sort of an average weekend, um, I think I picked Uh, the last weekend in June for a two-adult stay for two nights in Norfolk, um, and it had essentially 280 listings uh, on Airbnb. Uh, Only a few listings on the other quote-unquote popular um, uh, websites, but this is telling you that Airbnb is winning the war um, and is the preferred platform. The other numbers you see there, the average annual revenue per operator in Norfolk, the average uh, average. Number of nights per stay are is information that Airbnb provided us for 2017. Um, so I have no way to verify that, but that's what they're saying um, is is what hosts in Norfolk are realizing from their activity, uh, keeping in mind it's not permitted at this time. Um, the 8% occupancy tax um, is what is applied to all transient occupancy, hotel, motel, so that would be the same. Um, and then the, the room night tax using the current um, – the current rate um, gives you a ballpark of maybe $100,000 in revenue if you could get uh, 100% uh, remittance of taxes on on the operations. Airbnb says is happening in Norfolk. I just, um, I just think the doesn't matter that much
6: since
8: we're. But I think the numbers are a little low. I'm, I'm just looking at HomeAway right now, and it's like 156 listings for Norfolk for that
11: particular weekend. I'm so, not, I'm not, I mean, I don't think you just should do a search.
8: Yeah. You don't put the dates in. That's Well, what you're going you're to get
11: different, right. You're going to get different results. If you just do a search open-ended, it's going to give you lots of availability depending on the dates you select. If you target a specific weekend, you'll get a different I, I result. I guess
8: my orders of magnitude, though, I, I think that the market is much bigger than what you have listed there is, I guess, my point. It, it,
11: yes, there, that's part of the challenge of understanding this market is that for any particular night, there are only a fraction of um, homes available, places to stay available, um, and those come on and off of the market um, in unpredictable ways. So if people are um, allowing their own home to be used, there are times where it's not available and there are times where it is available. And so it's, it, is a, it is available as a short-term rental, but not all the time. And then there are other places that are available all the time. So um, whether you take a snapshot or a global picture, you're gonna get a very different number.
8: Purposes of a registry, we want to hit all 156, 156 for the purpose of trying to calculate what potential income we can get from revenues. Uh, being more conservative makes a lot of sense. Correct. Anyway, thank you.
11: Um, looking at, uh, we didn't want to copy another locality. Every locality's experience with short term rentals uh, tends to be different. Um, but we wanted to see uh, at least what other folks are doing, including all of the Virginia localities that have regulations on the books. Uh, Fairfax right now is in the throes of of, uh, coming up with regulations and um, is engaged in in working on what they're gonna do, and I think you've heard that Virginia Beach has on and off been working on um, what their approach is going to be. Um, So we incorporated that into our analysis and uh, concluded a couple of things, three main points. The first is that uh, we don't think that a registry alone solves the issue. Um, There are short-term rentals occurring now even without a registry. um, uh, Saying that uh, you have to register in order to be legally legally operating um, creates a burden for essentially two out of the three groups. Um, It creates an additional burden for lawful operators. Uh, It's an additional burden for unlawful operators who get caught because they get punished for not being registered, but there are unlawful operators who will not be registered and will not be caught. Um, As I think you know, because I think you've heard from your constituents, Norfolk is operating um, on essentially a complaint-based system for catching these, so there may be homestays happening that are not complained about. Um, And so if they're unlawful, meaning um, if you require them to be registered and they're not registered, uh, to the extent nobody's complaining about it, um, then they, are, they will continue to operate, um, and so the registry doesn't get to those folks. Uh, secondly, the registration that the state allowed has a number of exemptions in it. It exempts um, licensed real estate uh, professionals. It, is set, it exempts any person affiliated with a licensed real estate professional. Um, it exempts all hotels and motels. <laughs> So, you can have a lot of activity in the short-term rental market without being obligated to be registered if you use the state registration. And then our information from other localities is that mandatory registration doesn't get you a lot of compliance. Uh, the last number I saw for San Francisco, which has a lot of them, more, many more than we have in a different housing situation, um, but they have mandatory registration and a rather aggressive approach and they're getting about 25% uh, compliance. Um, we also don't think that enforcement alone is a solution. Um, we currently have a prohibition. Uh, we currently do enforcement, but as I indicated, it's by complaint, and so uh, short-term rentals that aren't causing issues are not being, uh, are not being caught. Um, and then the last uh, issue is um, Airbnb is watching. Um, so uh, one of our takeaways after the General Assembly uh, adopted that sort of abbreviated bill was that um, localities would go forth and use their zoning authority to try to find a regulatory approach that worked for them, but it was with the understanding that absolute prohibitions would draw the fire of, uh, of the Airbnb lobbyists. Um, so there was a little bit of a hiccup uh, in the legislative cycle this past year when um, Lexington, uh, towards the latter part of 2017, adopted uh, a local ordinance They wanted to regulate all short-term rentals of 75 days, I'm sorry, 45 days or less. They were going to call all of those short-term rentals. Um, And then they even had some zoning districts where they're going to allow it by right. There were some where they were going to require a use permit, but some by right. Um, That uh, got somebody's attention. Um, Delegate Barry Knight from Virginia Beach introduced this particular house bill to prohibit Lexington from regulating anything more than 30 days. Um, Prohibited them from requiring a, Business license or uh, assessing B poll taxes. And then, uh, by the way, also threw in a rule that said short term rentals would be valid as a principal use in the Sandbridge part of Virginia Beach. So um, w- we don't know all of what was going on here other than the fact that, um, that Lexing- what, what, Lex- what Lexington thought it was solving for itself uh, turned into, uh, turned into uh, an issue in Richmond.
8: If this, if, 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 if I, I'm so confused why the delegate from Virginia Beach was worried about Lexington, but that's another issue. Um, with regard to prohibiting requiring a business license for somebody who is operating a business, how is that possible? Um... <laughs> Yes, the that um,
3: the General Assembly is uh, sitting uh, higher in the pecking order than we are, and so that um, uh, virtually there is uh, nothing that they can't uh, endeavor to impose upon us. But I just want to I just want to confirm they have they have said to people operating any business in their homes right. that they
8: that, that the city may not by any means require a
3: business license. Right, we, we do have some very good protections in the Constitution. Uh, for our real property and personal property, uh, and so that uh, all changes are not as easy as others. But BPOL is a tax that the General Assembly has in the past considered uh, eliminating, and so they have boutiquely eliminated it for this operation in Lexington, which, I- 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 yes, is very curious.
8: So, does that would that prohibit us from requiring lodging taxes? And how do you, how do you Th- differentiate? This
11: would not. Um, whether there might be somebody in Richmond who thinks we should not tax these, I, I can't say because um, I don't know how this happened. Um, but our proposal is to level the playing field and treat all transient occupancy stays, whether they're at a hotel a motel or short-term rental, identical. We believe that's equitable um, and uniform. And I would think
3: that we would have the hotel-motel industry uh, in, in the same place that we would be this okay. Did
9: Lexington have some kind of outstanding, I mean, some kind of really bad issue with their Airbnbs that caused them to do this?
11: I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I mean, they obviously have, like a lot of other college towns, they will have influxes of visitors that, that a, 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 a full-time transient occupancy market will not handle, um, and so people will open their homes for those surge events. Um, but whether what kind of problems that was causing, or if it was causing problems, I don't know.
0: Mayor, if y'all are, uh, are interested, I think Morgan can give you a, a little detail on what happened in mm-hmm. General okay. Assembly the session. Um,
10: this is an issue specifically. Uh, Lexington was going and going further than the code allowed. Um, so this was an issue with the Dillon rule. Uh, a lot of compromise trying to happen in the Fourth Virginia General Assembly session started, um, VML tried to reach out to them and assist them in understanding, hey, this is still a real state, you can't go above and beyond uh, what you're allowed. Um, there was some arguments within the locality, whether how far they could push it. Um, so the legislation was introduced to essentially um, put them back in line with the state code. Hello. It didn't change the overall law but kind of tell them to stay within your house.
5: So after looking at all those
11: considerations, what comes out of our subcommittee work um, is this carrot and stick approach I alluded to earlier. So first we would like to kind of work with the market, acknowledge that it is a market, it does exist. Um, We would like to empower and enable good operators, um, discourage and put downward pressure on bad operators, and then have controls in place so that if somebody starts as a good operator and turns into a bad operator, we have the ability to turn off that, that particular operation. Um, this is key, uh, make participation in the system uh, easy and make it easy to operate in the open. Um, so um, there's a lot of emphasis in, in the literature around the country on um, making registrations free and accessible, especially online. Um, uh, just this week um, picked up some information about what Denver is now doing. Um, in your free time, if you want to go look at it, Denver has a very robust online registration system that's easy to use and captures the information that the city's trying to collect just through that um, through that internet portal. Adam,
9: a question um, is there a way? Cause like I was looking at something on TV and they had an Airbnb operator and they were talking about how they have the four stars or the five stars or whatever. Is there a way possibly? THAT THE LOCALITY COULD PARTNER WITH AIRBNB TO ADD TO THAT. SO THEY COULD BE LIKE A um, FIVE-STAR AIRBNB, AND THEN THERE COULD BE ALSO A CITY RATING. SO THIS WOULD BE um, A ONE THROUGH FIVE-STAR WITH THE CITY OF Norfolk, WHICH WOULD BE MORE INCENTIVE FOR PEOPLE TO USE THIS PARTICULAR OPERATOR. SO we, we, WE KIND OF INCENT THE OPERATOR TO Register. register that's the character. and then yes right. and good. That. then they okay so good. I'm uh, you may have this. read I'm my sorry.
11: presentation you were absolutely right okay. we have spoken to airbnb about what we can do as a synergy to um, give advantages to the folks who are registered or that we know about and, let, and again let the market compete against the folks who are out there on their own but still maybe on the platform so um, I'll give some specifics about what we've talked about, whether it's stars or badge or something else. I think is within their control and what fits with their model. Um, but we are we are talking about that. Um, we also think we need to um, uh, enhance our um, enhance our penal, not enhance our penalties. Do a better job of enforcement and penalties to make sure that, that it is more profitable and more beneficial to operate legally than illegally. Um, Again, um, leveling the playing field and and doing something that that Airbnb doesn't think that it uh, will need to ask Richmond to fix for it are also key. So here's our proposal. Again, sticking with the two principal types of short-term rentals, uh, the first is the homestay. This is um, uh, not often uh, noticed by the neighbors. You don't really know if the person coming over to stay is a relative or, or is paying to stay there. Um, the person who is the principal occupant of that uh, that residence is home at the time that the guest is there. Um, so for this type of stay, we would propose that it be allowed by right citywide, um, that you would have to get a zoning certificate, so there would be a process to check and make sure it's being done within the rules. There's only a few rules. Um, there are some rules about the maximum occupancy. It will depend on how many bedrooms you have. Um Of course, there's limits on how long you can stay. Once you get to the 30-day mark, you're really dealing with um, a a typical residential uh, lease type of of residency. Um, We would not allow it in our accessory dwelling units, which are now legal, so you wouldn't be sticking somebody in the room over the garage um, as an Airbnb. Um, And then, of course, if you have a border on your premises already, then that would would not be available.
8: Can you explain the... uh Accessory dwelling unit, so would that be considered the next version of this option?
11: The accessory dwelling unit, as we've permitted it in the new zoning ordinance, is really there as um, an as opportunity for um, the, uh, the in law suite or even a full scale rental unit, whether it's month to month or year to year, however you'd like to do that. The idea of turning um, your accessory dwelling unit into sort of a motel room in and out um, is an issue. Uh, because of the impacts that creates. So if you're going to be a homestay, part of what we are counting on is the fact that because you're present, you want to make sure that that happens in a way that's innocuous and isn't going to impact your neighbors. If you're allowing it to go on in the garage at the back of your property, you're starting to lose that control.
8: But it would be allowed under the next section? but it's like a, so a full rental, full house rental.
11: You could do a full house rental as a vacation home.
8: But could you do a full house rental as your accessory dwelling unit? I mean, I I I have a problem that the, that no accessory dwelling units can going be used. You either allow it under homestay or you allow it under your next slide.
11: Um, we we I haven't looked at whether a whole. Are you asking whether a whole house rental could include a home that has an accessory dwelling unit, or would that be two?
8: So room over the garage.
4: Right. So most of your East Beach houses have carriage houses right. behind them. And so they would be prohibited from rent under the homestay, but they would be allowed under the vacation. Sure. <laughs> under so the vacation home, could you rent
8: out the room over the... Just
11: room room the room over the room garage? Room. Yes. No. An You'd have to give you the entire premises to the renter.
8: I don't. I don't agree with that loophole. I, so we we can talk
4: okay. about that as a next step. Maybe as a um, and Adam, I have are local. That's local. I had a quick, quick question about your occupancy. Um, you said two, but what if they have a baby?
11: Um, I think we usually do two adults. Okay. Um, but we could specify the maximum age of a child um, that would not count towards the occupancy. Okay. I think we'd have to look at a building code maybe to get a, get a sense of what yeah. counts as an additional, additional person. Um, the other type of short-term rental, the vacation home, again, this is where the entire property is made available. The person whose home it is is not there. Um, whether that uh, particular property has a, a, a garage or with room over it or not wouldn't matter for this analysis. They would have the uh, use of the entire premises. We've identified two ways where you could legally uh, have this sort of use um, under our proposal. The first would be um, administratively, just get a zoning certificate um, with a registration. So the registration would not be required. It would be voluntary, but if you wanted to voluntarily register, that would make you eligible for the administrative process and to get a zoning certificate and start operating a vacation How home. How would that cost you? Because uh, I don't believe there's a charge for this zoning certificate, but we could, we would part we would define that as part of this rule. Right now I don't think we charge for fence zoning certificates, um, whether we would include this as a, a a no charge we could look at for this ordinance.
8: Whereas a conditional use permit under the
0: new fees goes up to 1,035? I'm not trying to get your attention. Is there a charge?
4: Who is if, who is monitoring this whole program? Is this codes? Uh, if you want to
11: register, do you go to the Commissioner of the Revenue's office? Where do you, Where is this? As with everything else, we're, part of this proposal contemplates that there will have to be some central organization. Someone's going to have to monitor the registry and know who's on it and who's not, and to coordinate the complaints that come in with the folks that are on it. So
4: the $100,000 THAT'S EXPECTED TO COME IN, WHICH DOESN'T INCLUDE THE EXTRA DOLLAR um, BED TAX. DOUG, uh, IS THIS POSSIBLY yeah, GOING to, go TO HIRE SOMEBODY? that. WELL, WE'VE GOT TO GET THROUGH and, AND FIGURE OUT IF THIS
0: IS SOMETHING YOU ALL SUPPORT, YOU KNOW, THE PROPOSAL, AND THEN WE'LL FIGURE OUT HOW TO STAY. Yeah. I'M STILL confused ON THE ROOM OVER
9: THE GARAGE. SO ARE YOU, say, I, are you SAYING THAT IF you have a house and you have a garage and you have a finished room over the garage and it has a separate entrance, then you could rent that out as an Airbnb and that's not permitted?
11: That's not in our proposal. Lo- Most localities lo- okay. believe that that is um, the type of risky operation that is that is more likely to cause you problems. Um, so that it is common for the accessory dwelling unit to not be allowed to be the...
6: But it's part of the house
11: part of the it's <laughs> part of the property, kind of the of the
0: property, property. I, think I think that's the, the point the issue that, that localities have separated. identified no, 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 no. Is
9: he, well it's either part of the house which is the property or it is a separate detached are we talking a separate detached garage with a room over it or are we talking about a frog a finished room no, over the garage we're talking about a
11: separate detached building like it could be, be A garage speech. Oh,
9: okay, okay. All those carriage houses okay carriage and, houses and what are you talking about sweet. YOU'RE TALKING ABOUT THE SEPARATE ACCESSORY okay. GENERAL. Okay. 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 ALL RIGHT. I'm,
11: I'm, OKAY. I UNDERSTAND THANK YOU. Um, NOW WHETHER YOU'RE DOING A CONDITIONAL USE PERMIT OR WHETHER YOU'RE DOING A, a, a BUY RIGHT ZONING CERTIFICATE WITH REGISTRATION, WE'D BE CAPTURING THE SAME SORT OF INFORMATION. Um, WE WANT TO KNOW um, THAT YOU HAVE PARKING FOR IT, THAT YOU HAVE AN IN-TOWN MANAGER WHO'S ON CALL TO DEAL WITH PROBLEM SITUATION. There's a courtesy fire inspection that um, we would do to make sure the uh, guests are safe. Um, The other requirements are are, are typically found in in other localities as well. Um, Again, business license and taxes required. So, could you go back? Sure.
7: So, for the vacation home, that would include a apartment unit if the entire unit is being rented.
11: We, you could craft your ordinance either way. The placeholder that's in the zoning ordinance now only allows short-term rentals in single-family homes. Again, single-family homes um, make up, I think, probably about half of the residential stock for Norfolk. So if you allow multifamily to be eligible for this, you'll double the number of properties that are eligible. But as I think you know, multifamily homes are denser. The way people live is closer, and so the risk of those negative externalities rubbing off on neighbors is much greater when you're making your apartment available um, as an Airbnb than your single-family home. So it could be done either way, but uh, I think you need to be more careful about the constraints that you have if apartments are being used for Airbnb. I, I think there's a
7: market downtown.
11: Putting this in the zoning ordinance allows you to pick regulations for various districts in the city. So while you might permit uh, multifamily for Airbnb downtown, you might not decide the same thing in Ghent, for example. Okay.
7: I, I think that may be what I'm thinking is downtown apartments would be appropriate, but at the same time, you probably don't need to require a parking spot.
11: Right. Again, all refinements that, give it, that this framework gives us the ability to customize, what sort of experience we think works and doesn't negatively impact the neighborhood by zoning district. So
8: we could do that. So Coastal Character District could be multifamily and single-family, similarly downtown, but for the rest?
11: Correct. Okay. Right. Yes. All the zoning rules we currently have, we could still use. Um, so this is the last bullet point, and Ms. Grace, this gets to your uh, brainstorm. Um, The registration that we thought we would have would be entirely voluntary. So we wouldn't be bound by the restrictions that are imposed on the state registration that we're allowed to force on people because we wouldn't be forcing any registration on anyone. We would be essentially making this available. But but the burden of, of doing a registration comes with perks. If you're doing a vacation home, you get to do it administratively. Um, If you're doing a a homestay, you get some of these benefits. So we've spoken with the the Airbnb representatives, and I said, hey, if we uh, want to entice people to register, knowing um, not everybody likes to be forced to do things, um, is is there a way for you to badge those listings that have been um, (coughs) registered with Norfolk? This is um, the same kind of idea as rent-ready for Norfolk, so that... Um, If we know about it, and we've seen it, and we know who's operating it, we would like the customer to know about it as well. And Airbnb folks said, well, nobody's ever asked us that before, but we'll talk to our engineers. And then a couple days later, got back in touch with me and said they would be willing to do that, and they wanted to see what our proposal was. And I said, well, I don't have one yet. As soon as I hear from our city council, we'll get you our proposal. So they are very receptive to doing something that um, enables good hosts to do a better job, um, I don't think they're opposed to our wanting to regulate Airbnb. I think they want they're opposed to us um, restricting it in some way. So uh, to the extent we can and en- they can enable us um, and enable hosts, um, I-, I think they're willing to do that. Um, and of course, uh, we would also maintain our own list of, of uh, registered locations. so if folks wanted to ask us who's registered, we could let them know as well. Um, so what we're asking, you for, and we've already started the discussion, I appreciate that, thank you, um, is uh, are we on the right track? Um, do we want to um, have these paths for people to operate legally, um, to make it simple, um, and to do the other things that are necessary if it's gonna work, to, to stand it up with uh, enforcement, to catch the people who don't wanna follow the rules, um, to do the things necessary to make the registration um, easy and useful for people, um, and to follow through with Airbnb to see if they'll um, hold our hand with um, letting customers know um, who it is that's Norfolk certified, or Norfolk registered. Uh, Andrea, uh,
8: two two things. Um, first of all, just to talk about in terms of what type of dollars we're talking about, um, you, it's five percent state sales tax and eight percent hotel tax <laughs> lodging tax for the city would be what an operator should be paying.
11: I know that the 8% applies. I'm not sure about the sales.
8: 5%. I pay, I pay 5% to the state and 5% to the Nelson County for my home away uh, that I rent out. And then That's in
3: Norfolk, there was a 1% sales tax. Okay. That, that is just
8: local, so, so it's six be, sales total. Okay, so it would be 5% to the state, 1% local sales tax, plus an 8% lodging tax, is that correct?
11: Yes.
8: And a bed tax on top of that?
11: Yes. Right. Whatever the hotels and motels are paying, it's the same.
8: Um, also, uh, in terms of enforcement, um, I think the biggest issue that we've all heard is the concern that if you live in a, a single-family neighborhood and the person next to you is renting out their house on a regular basis, and there's, you know, the parking's bad, the trash is bad, the noise is loud, et CETERA, um, How do we enforce? I mean, how do we take somebody and say you can no longer do this?
11: Under the proposal? Yes. Um, typically, what most ordinances have seen is to where, first of all, our proposal is to have the registration and the buy right use sort of be annual, so you have to renew it year to year. You, you could even go to two years. I don't think you want to go beyond that.
8: But I don't
3: want to from, wait for a year to keep track I mean, of
11: it. And then we can also build in, I've seen it done, uh, methods where if you violate any of the requirements that are in the ordinance, um, THE FIRST VIOLATION um, IS A WARNING, THE SECOND VIOLATION IS A FINE, AND THE THIRD VIOLATION IS THAT YOU'RE REMOVED FROM THE REGISTRY FOR THE THREE for strikes a year. And
3: you're out. RIGHT. 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 And, AND SINCE YOU'RE USING A CONDITIONAL USE PERMIT, LIKE WITH THE uh, ALCOHOL ESTABLISHMENTS, THAT COULD ALSO BE REVOKED?
8: WELL, BUT WE'RE NOT USING A CONDITIONAL USE PERMIT.
11: For RIGHT. For, RIGHT. AND SO FOR THE ONES... FOR, for, for it, THOSE THAT YOU ARE. RIGHT. And for I, the don't, ones, I DON'T ones.
8: UNDERSTAND WHY ANYBODY WOULD, WHY WOULD ANYBODY GO THROUGH A CONDITIONAL USE PERMIT for $100 for
11: the zoning. That's no exactly case. what we want to hear people say. <laughs> that they'll register um, and forego the more complicated process. We'll have uh, as close to 100% registration as we can get, other than the bad actors. Um, and then within that, we would have a very defined <coughs> mechanism for warning mind. and then, re- and then so revoking the zoning certificate. So you're,
8: if you're off the register you are not legally operating at that point.
11: Oh, remember, we would allow the homestays home by right, registered or not. You're just not going to get the benefits of everybody knowing that you're registered. Um, but the vacation homes, you're either going to have to be registered or come to council.
8: Can we badge the bad guys with like a big bad apple or something like that?
9: That's
11: what I was
8: thinking. Yeah. Scarlet A.
9: Uh-huh. Or, Andrea, maybe we can work, since we we'll would be working with Airbnb, if we've had issues, if there's documentation of bad. Uh, weak operators letting Airbnb know yeah, because that's
4: got, not making a good name for them either. They want to know that stuff. Right, Tommy? And I had asked a couple years ago about whether or not, as a locality, we could require those who have rentals to have a sign posted outside that has the property manager's name and number on it so that if there is somebody mm-hmm. call it, and I, I don't remember if we were allowed to do that by Dillon rule laws, but I'm wondering is there a way? IS THERE ANYTHING THAT WOULD ALLOW US TO REQUIRE THEM TO HAVE A SIGN POSTED THAT THEY ARE a REGISTERED?
3: MY INSTINCTS ARE THAT uh, YOU you COULD DO BOTH OF THOSE, REQUIRE THE POSTING OF THE the MANAGER AND and THE SAME, BUT um, LET US BE CERTAIN OF THAT, BUT I THINK THAT'S WITHIN OUR POLICE POWER.
4: I'M JUST, I MEAN, mean, YOU GUYS OVER THERE, YOU KNOW, PROBABLY, I I THINK AS a, A NEIGHBOR OF ONE OF THESE Knowing one that it's been approved would be great, and then two, if there is a ruckus or something, I can I know who to call.
8: Absolutely.
4: Um, and Norfolk Air is not going to tell us that right away on some of these, but I mean, there, it would just be why not? Okay. Where, where would you post it? That would be part of the regulations. Either it has to be posted right out on the door, OR it has to be posted somewhere in view um, that we could tell. You know that this is a legal. Airbnb, and that maybe will force people to register too, because if they know that they, um, you're official that way.
5: That's, you get okay. that's great.
9: Do you run into the problem of um, vandals if you post that A legal Airbnb in a window? I mean, it would have to be <coughs> somewhere where people could see it. So, do you run into a problem of vandals? property when it is vacant because they're not rented out every week of every month of every year so do you run into potential problem for vandalism or for um, criminal activity because folks know that these are out-of-towners staying at this property and then having you know the break-ins or
10: whatever
4: We'd regulate so. we'd oh. regulate that like we regulate <coughs> the you couldn't have an electronic one. But one of the
5: things yeah. you, one of the things we could one of the things that we possibly yeah. could do is to let the neighbors or the community know that this particular property is AN Airbnb or is a short term <coughs> rental. Right. So there there are ways that we can do notification once a person mm-hmm. registers. Yeah. we could send out
8: within certain proximity of the of the actual so residence.
5: But they for. should pay for it.
4: Yeah. Okay, uh-huh. and I think we have no choice but to move forward with yeah, no THIS, It's here. Public right. comments so people, were people doing it. Uh, much in favor of it. Um, I was actually shocked when we went down the prelo. Um, I, we um, I was expecting there to be more angry people with us doing it, but they were all so overwhelmed.
8: overwhelmed.
4: Yes. Yeah. This we'll call
8: um, I, did, I know we're going to have to get going, but yeah, I course. just want to. Um, I know we we're. June was going to talk about water quality. And I, and I think it's something that we really do, we need to be talking yep. about that. We talked about flooding all the time. We asked people to talk about our CDLs and water quality, and the stormwater has a some great projects there. So I hope that June will We will come get our
11: rescheduled. And, <laughs> and on this issue, just to close, if I can, um, since I heard considerable discussion about um, customizing the different kinds of uses in different kinds of districts, um, I might propose um, that you direct the Planning Commission to commence a text amendment with these features, and then with the refinements that they identify and that their public hearing process identifies, and to bring to you a text amendment with what they um, what they would identify as the um, sort of what's appropriate for what zoning district throughout throughout the city. Is that the direction? That work for you? Go Sounds good. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you. All right. All right. So I think
0: we'll go upstairs, uh, upstairs. Okay. and um, promise to get June on a future agenda. We're going to do it, in, do it